If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 3 and 4. Don't worry, we are not going to read the, those entire chapters. Some of you are like, holy cow, first time at this church and they're having me read two whole chapters of the Bible. No, we are not. Uh, I just want you to have a reference point for where we are uh, going to be uh, preaching from this morning. And actually, if you're able to, would you stand one more time? We're going to pray, ask the Lord to have his way again. Acts chapter 3 and 4 is our reference point. And so let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in this church. We thank you for what you are doing in our lives. We know, God, that you've got a calling uh, on each and every person, whether they realize it or not. You've got a plan and a purpose uh, for your people. I pray that today it would be revealed a little bit more, that God, your Holy Spirit, would teach us, comfort us, counsel us, help us, Lord, to receive what it is you have for us today. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So last week we started this two-part series called Committed. We said that if you've been to Cross Point for a while, maybe uh, you have heard me say that the word commitment is, is many times, is, it, it is a positive word, but it's treated like a dirty or a bad word, commitment. And so Webster's Dictionary says that the word commit means to obligate or to pledge oneself, like a, a person who's committed has made a personal pledge to be faithful to a person, to be faithful to an organization, to be uh, uh, faithful to an idea. And so if someone is committed, if you hear them say, I am committed to something, you're supposed to really be able to count on them. And yet, commitment is definitely lacking in our society. I don't know if anybody's ever made a commitment to you and it's fallen through. Maybe they signed uh, an agreement with you and didn't follow through. Maybe they shook your hand on something and didn't follow through. Again, it's lacking in our society. And sadly, sometimes you can see that lack of commitment in people that say they are followers of Christ. Like, like last week we said, they call themselves Christian, and yet they never commit themselves to being, to being faithful to church like ever, to reading their Bibles, in, you know, inconsistency, and, and even to speaking to God in prayer. And so we would say they have commitment issues, and as a result, if you have commitment issues when it comes to God and the things of God, they, you really lack spiritual maturity. I also said last week, this, is, this isn't going to be a, a, a cheer a cheerum, a stand on your seat and clap and say, yes, Pastor Freddie, keep going. I love what you're saying. Sometimes the truth hurts, and, but we have to hear it. Sometimes the truth is uncomfortable. Anybody ever hear some truth and, and not liked how you were feeling uh, at the time? And so truth can be uncomfortable. It doesn't make it any less true. It just means that we have to hear it that much more. Amen? And so listen, my daily prayer is that you and I will be inspired to be committed in every single area of our lives. And by doing so, we honor God by our commitment and hopefully, our commitment will actually encourage others along the way. And so today, I want to look at the, the disciples, uh, Peter and John, in Acts chapter 3 and 4. If you're not already there, let's go there. These followers of Christ were committed to sharing the gospel. I hope we can learn why this commitment should be important to us, too, this morning. See, just before Jesus ascended up to heaven, after his resurrection, he, he gave his disciples some instructions. And in what has come to be known as the Great Commission, Jesus basically ordered his disciples to go and spread the good news of what they had witnessed firsthand. 
Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, Therefore go and make what? Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Say all. All, all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always. Say always. always. Even to the end of the age. Uh, listen, the disciples, they must have thought, how in the world are we going to do that? After all, I mean, if you, if you know the story, you know that the disciples had just recently joined, uh, been joined together again after actually running for their lives when Jesus was arrested. While he was on earth performing miracles and doing great things, they were like, Lord, I'll be with you to the end. Lord, you can count on me. Lord, I'll be one that, that you will just be able to know that I am committed. And yet when he was arrested and when he went through the process, they ran, they hid, in shame they did all that. Jesus being arrested. And so they, they, they even had difficulty initially believing the reports that Jesus had risen from the dead. But, say but. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to them and gathered them together, confirming the stories that they had heard. And now he was about to leave them again. But since Jesus knew that they were apprehensive and overwhelmed, he spoke words of reassurance to them and to focus them on their, on their mission, really. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he said to them, But you will receive power. Say power. power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Again, this is, you know, consistent with what we call the Great Commission. To go and tell people about Jesus. To go and tell people about the transforming power in his name. Now, I'll say, I'll preface this. What I'm about to share is a legend, so it is not in the Bible. And so I'm letting you know in advance, this will not be in the Bible. Don't come after, up to me after service and say, what, what text was that, Pastor? Where did you find this, that little story? And so this is a legend, not in the Bible. When Jesus returned to heaven, uh, following his death on the cross and resurrection from the tomb, the angels gathered in amazement. They gazed at his wounds, the wounds of Jesus on his hands and on his feet, and they shuddered to recall the suffering that he had been through but finally the archangel gabriel spoke up and said master you suffered terribly down there do they know do they know and appreciate the extent of your sacrifice no jesus said not yet actually right now only a handful of people even know about it and then gabriel asked what have you done to to let everyone else know and jesus answered I've asked Peter, James, and John, and a few others to spread the news. And they will tell others who will tell others who will tell others until the message spreads to the end of the earth. But Gabriel, knowing the nature of human beings, asked, So Jesus, what's your plan B? <laughs> Jesus said, I have no plan B. There's no alternate strategy I'm counting on them. And 20 centuries later, he's still counting on you and on me. 
Listen, again, that's just a story, right? A legend of sorts made up to, to drive home a point. But think about it. If those original disciples had not been committed, say committed. committed. If they had not been committed to spreading the gospel, to spreading the word of Jesus, you and I today might not be followers of Christ, but we are the proof that they took their mission seriously. And thankfully, they were committed to sharing the gospel. Do you understand how important it is to, to be committed to sharing the gospel? It really is. And so let's go to our text in Acts chapter 3 and 4. See, Peter and John are going about their business on their way to, to the 3 o'clock prayer service at the temple on a mission. They knew where they were going. They knew what was about to take place. They were going to pray and ask God for his blessings. But as they approached the temple or the church, right, if we were to, to use our vernacular, they were approaching the church. They hear a lame man begging for bread, for, for money. Alms! Alms to the poor! Alms! Now the man, listen, the man had sat there for years begging for money. Actually, he was carried to that place by friends or his family every single day for years and years. And so he thought that this would just be another day. And it was. Until Peter and John heard his cry. See, they, they stopped for a moment looking at him, having compassion on him. And finally, in Acts chapter 3 and verse 6, Peter says, I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold for you. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. I want us to focus on one phrase for just a few moments. I'll give you what I have. I'll give you what I have. In fact, say it with me. I'll give you what I have. One more time. Louder. One more time. So this morning, I want to ask you a question. What do you have? What do you have? See, the truth of the matter is a lot of us, we, uh, we, you know, we, we get distracted and we think that we have this and, and maybe we have life and we think we have life by the horns and, and things are going well for you. Life is good. The job is good. The, you're on top of the bills. You're on top of what you would say is the world. Pastor, my life has never been better than it is right now. And so I have my life. I have my future. I have the things that I have acquired through my hard work and, and my sense of significance. But can I let you know something this morning? Those things are good, but they can't easily transform a life when you try to give them away. I'll give you what I have. Acts 3, 7, and 8 goes on to say, Then Peter uh, took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet, check this out, this is true, uh, the man's feet and his ankles were, were instantly healed and strengthened. This man who had begged day after day, who was broken in his body day after day, who thought there would no, be no future for him to walk on his own two feet, on that day, he jumped up, he stood on his feet, and he began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, 
He went to church. He went into the temple with them. Again, all because they gave him what they had. They gave him what they have. And now listen, the, the, the crowd saw this man walking and, and heard him praising God. They were amazed. Again, this was the man they had seen who was broken. This was the man who could not walk before this time. This was the man who year after year, day after day, they saw him in the same condition. They knew him well. They recognized him easily. And so they knew without a shadow of a doubt that a miracle had happened. And so number one, because Peter and John were committed to sharing the gospel, we can see that they were willing to take the time to help someone in need. If you're writing notes, this is number one. They were willing to take the time to help someone in need. How many of you would say this morning that your time is pretty valuable? A couple of you, some of you. All right, and, and if you don't think that it's valuable, let me interrupt you 20 times in a day and you'll find out real quick how valuable your time is. They were willing to take their time to help someone in need. They were committed to sharing the gospel. I want you to notice that Peter and John weren't just wandering around aimlessly when we find them in Acts chapter 3 and 4. They were actually on their way to church to pray. And so they were headed to do a good thing. And yet they realized that, that, listen, being the church was more important than just going to church. How many of you know that this morning? Being the church is, is more important than going to church. They took the time to stop and to help someone who could not easily help themselves. See, Peter and John, they had no money, but they had something way more valuable. They knew Jesus. Now listen, they, they could have gone to church. They could have gone to the temple and, and asked the leaders in the church and the temple to, to take up a collection for this man to, to help him in that way. But they knew that that would only be a temporary solution. They, they could have gone to the temple and asked others to help them to pray for this man. But instead, they introduced that man to Jesus and they called upon the power in the name of Jesus to help the man. And so their prayer was answered instantly. And so Peter and John suddenly had a new friend going with them to church. Listen, it's important for Christians to take time to help others if they want to be an effective witness for Jesus. And I want you to know if you're a part of this church, you know this. That's why we do Operation Backpack for, for 10 years now. We have been doing uh, an outreach in the summertime where we uh, gather uh, uh, school supplies and backpacks and, and we give them out for free. It's not something that we do exclusively. It's not just us. Other churches do it. But that's why we do it to be an effective uh, a witness in our community. That's why we support Manna for the Hungry. That's why we do things like the fall food drive that we're doing right now. Right now, um, that's why pretty soon you're going to be hearing about the Christmas Angel Tree Outreach that we do with the, the Salvation Army. We are trying to glorify God by reaching out to others in the name of Jesus. And that's important. It's important. We're attempting to help our community's immediate needs in order to uh, introduce them to the one who can take care of the, their eternal needs. Amen. 
See, every person that we talk to, every single book bag that we fill up, every a bowl of chili or, or food item that we give out is all a testimony of God's love. But for it to be worth something eternal, it has to be done in the name of Jesus Christ. And so Peter and John didn't just tell the man to rise up and walk. They could have. They said, just get up. Just get up. They didn't just tell the man to rise up and walk. In verse 6, Peter said, in the name of Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. And as a result, the man praised God for the miracle and he drew the attention of the crowd around him. How many of you know this morning that there is power in the name of Jesus? See, years before this incident, Jesus said to his disciples in, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, you are the light of the world, like, like a city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket unless they want to start a fire. Instead, a lamp is placed, that wasn't in the scripture, by the way. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone Everyone say everyone. everyone so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. And so sometimes before a person is able to see uh, their spiritual needs, their physical or emotional needs have to be addressed. And that's why we do some of the things that we do. And listen, as we work to see others enter the kingdom of God and grow to be disciples, we first need to reach out to them with the love of Christ in practical and in tangible ways. Number two, secondly, because Peter and John were committed to sharing the gospel, we can see that they took advantage, say advantage, they took advantage of the opportunity that God had placed right in front of them. I don't wear glasses this morning, but I wonder how many of you who wear glasses have maybe put them up on the top of your head and forgotten that they've been there. And then none of you, right? None of you has ever, has ever done that. See, see, dozens, maybe even hundreds had gathered to see what that commotion was all about. And so Peter and John looked at the faces in the crowd around them and saw amazement. They saw confusion. They saw excitement. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 3, verse 12, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. Notice that Peter began a statement by pointing out that God glorified Jesus by healing the man in, in, in his name. Remember, some of these people that were in the crowd on that day had called out to Pilate to crucify Jesus. But this was an opportunity. This was a divine appointment. And so Peter reminded them in the next few verses what they had done. And in verse 15 declared, God raised Jesus from the dead. And he added, we are witnesses of that fact. But then Peter offers them hope. Let's go to verses 17 through 20. Peter says, friends, I realized that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. These are heavy words. This takes boldness. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins and turn from God so that your sins may be what? Wiped away. Wiped away. Then, say then. then. 
then times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. See, for Peter and John, the opportunity was placed before them and it was pretty obvious. Sometimes opportunities come before us and they're not so obvious. We, we kind of like God has to really get our attention Listen, there's a crowd of people standing before you wanting to hear about the power of Jesus. Now, how much easier would it get than that? But sometimes the opportunities that God places before us may be not as easy. They're not as easy to spot, like, like waiting to be interviewed for a job as a, a wireless operator. A group of applicants, they paid little attention to the sound of the dots and dashes that, that came over the, the loudspeaker. But suddenly one of them rushed into the employer's office and soon after he returned out smiling say I got it I got it I got the job but how did you get ahead of us the others said see you might have been considered for the job but you were so busy talking that you didn't hear the manager's coded message he replied the message said in, in dots and dashes the man I need must always be on the alert and so the first person who interprets this and comes directly into my private office will be hired and that's what he did because he was attentive because an opportunity presented itself and he acted upon it. Listen, for us to, to sense or discern the opportunities that God places in our path, you and I have to be tuned in to God. And so it's important, listen, it's important to pray for the ability to hear and see these opportunities as God provides them. I know about you, I have my dense moments where it's like, man, it just doesn't get through. It's like God is, uh, is uh, sending all kinds of signs my way. And it's like somebody is standing in my path and I've been praying about something and trying to break through with God. And, and he's like, there are people there and they're saying, right here, right here. And I'm like, why are they being so silly? And you just kind of walk past and, and God is trying to get your attention. An opportunity is presenting itself, but I'm not tuned in in that moment. Anybody ever not been tuned in? You're not tuned in. It's important to pray, God, help me to hear. Help me to see the opportunities that you send my way. You see, the opportunity to help the lame man, it led to the opportunity to address the crowd that had assembled on that day, all as a response to that man's healing, plus the opportunity to address the crowd led to another opportunity to address the religious leaders in the temple. If you'll obey, if you'll discern, if you'll hear and see the opportunities, they sometimes build on each other. As they were speaking to the crowd, the Sadducees, they sent some of the temple guard to actually arrest Peter and John on the charge of preaching about the resurrection. They weren't allowed to do it. And so it'd be like somebody showing up and saying, you're preaching Jesus. We're going to put you in chains. We're going to put you in jail. That's what happened to them. And, and something it was something that the Sadducees did. And, and so God's message had already been shared and they were there to arrest them. In fact, the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 4, but many of the people who had heard their message believed it. And so the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. 
That leads us to our third point. Because Peter and John were committed to sharing the gospel, we can see that they were willing to suffer. Say suffer. They were willing to suffer. This is uncomfortable for many of us. I don't know. I, I, I don't like pain. Anybody like pain? I don't, I don't like pain. I don't like discomfort. Man, if I'm working on something and I slip with a tool and I strike my knuckles... Boy, Jesus, hold my mouth. Help me. Help not the flesh to come to the surface. You, pastor? Absolutely. My flesh is there. But I pray, Lord, help me. Guard my mouth. Help me to, you know, hold back. And so listen, in order to, to get the opportunity to speak to the religious leaders, Peter and John had to, uh, be, uh, had to allow themselves to be uncomfortable to the extent that they spent the night in jail. Decades later, in 1 Peter 2 and verse 19 through 21, the Apostle Peter would write, For God is pleased when, conscious of His will, you patiently, say patiently. patiently. That's a word we don't like. We patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you. Did you know Christ suffered for you? He sacrificed for you. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. You see, Peter and John spending the night in jail was nothing if they had the opportunity to speak to others about Jesus. And so they willingly sat there all night long sitting in darkness and in filth, encouraging one another and praying to the Lord. In that moment, they realized that this was all a part of God's plan and they rejoiced that God was allowing them to play their part in it. Listen, some of you are going to get up tomorrow morning and Mondays are Mondays. Uh, maybe you're a coffee drinker. You had your coffee. You think you're ready for the day. You're ready to head out to your destination and there are interruptions and things that come your way and I want to remind you that if you are not discerning the times or discerning the moments, you may miss your opportunity because you're not willing to suffer a little discomfort. Because you're not willing to maybe even be a little bit late. So many times we drive by and we might see something taking place and it's like we've got tunnel vision because we're on a mission. We got to get somewhere. Don't interrupt me. Don't get in my way. Do you ever know that maybe God has an interruption for you that is divine, that is from his throne room? And in that process, you might have to sacrifice a little time. You might have to sacrifice a little of your schedule. You might have to sacrifice a little of your money. You might even have to sacrifice your plans and your future. But it's worth it. It's worth it. They spent the night in jail. In that moment, realizing it was God's plan. Listen, thousands have been saved because Peter and John were willing to help someone. They took advantage of the opportunity that God had given them. Therefore, suffering was worth it if it meant that others might be saved. Listen, the question is, and I'm asking some hard questions this morning, would you be willing to suffer in order for thousands of people to be saved? Would you be willing to suffer in order for thousands of people to be saved? Would you be willing to spend the night in jail? Would you be willing to suffer in order for one person to be saved? Many Christians have loved ones that they pray for. 
Some of you have talk, you know, talked about that. You, you pray for that one person and that's beautiful. You, you ask the Lord to save them. And listen, that's a prayer. How many of you know that's a prayer that God wants to answer? God wants to save. He wants to deliver. But sometimes, this is hard to receive, our suffering might be part of the answer to that. Your discomfort may be an answer to that. In fact, if you're not willing to put aside what you want in order to do what God wants, you may actually be hindering God's answer to that prayer. And so the next day, Peter and John, they actually got their chance to speak to the religious leaders. And as the high priest was there, along with Caiaphas and John and Alexander and other relatives of the high priest, and the, these men had been there during the trial of Jesus Christ, and they had been instrumental in securing his, his uh, crucifixion, Peter and John knew that. And yet, because they were committed to sharing the gospel, they spoke without fear. How many of you know that in your time of need, God may give you some boldness to say some things that you would not ordinarily say? They spoke without fear. And see, it had been days ago when Peter had stood before a crowd of onlookers and denied that he even knew Jesus. But now, now he spoke with confidence. Now he spoke with courage. What made the difference? The answer is found in Acts chapter 4 and verse 8. I want to tell you what, what made the difference. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, filled with the what? Holy Spirit. Filled with Holy Spirit. And see, Jesus had told the disciples before he was crucified to expect to be brought before religious and political leaders. He told them that they would suffer, but that the Holy Spirit would give them the words to speak when the opportunity came. And through Peter and John, the religious leaders were told that the lame man had been healed in the name of Jesus. The religious leaders were reminded that it was their conspiracy that arranged for his execution. They were pointed to the Hebrew scriptures and shown how, how that Jesus was a fulfillment of prophecy. And finally, they were presented with the fact that Jesus was offering them the only way. Say only way. Only way, only way to salvation. Listen, sometimes we talk to others about Jesus, about God, and we're afraid of saying the wrong thing. Some of you have even said that. Pastor, I don't know what to say. I, I, I've been wanting to, my loved ones, I've been wanting my friend to come to Jesus. I just don't know the words to say. But listen, sometimes when you don't know what to say, if you'll just ask Jesus, he'll give you the words to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say, listen, in those moments, we can take comfort in the fact that God has, a, if God has arranged an opportunity for you to speak to someone about the Lord, he will give you the exact words to say to a person if, say if, yeah. if you are willing to listen. I want you to notice that Peter and John were just ordinary men. You and I are ordinary people, but they were ordinary men that had been with Jesus. How many of you know that when you spend time with Jesus, something happens? That, you know, you spend time with Jesus and something happens. This amazed the religious leaders. In fact, Acts chapter 4 and verse 13 says, The members of the council were so amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They had also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Don't be discouraged this morning if you feel like you're not educated enough. 
Or maybe uh, you're like me and you have a tough time memorizing things and so you, you haven't memorized two dozen scriptures. Uh, do, do, do what Peter and John did. They relied on the Holy Spirit. They spoke about what they personally knew. You and I should do the same again. Peter and John were committed to sharing the gospel no matter what they cost them. And finally, because Peter and John were committed to sharing the gospel, other believers were inspired, say inspired, inspired, inspired to witness for Christ. I'm going to have the worship team come back. Because Peter and John were committed to sharing the gospel, other believers were inspired to witness for Christ. Uh, did you know that you have influence? You have influence this morning. There are people that God has given you in your life that you have an audience with them. I don't know them, but you do. I haven't spoken to them, but you have. God has given you an audience with them. God has given you favor. And so Peter and John were released without incident, and immediately they went to their brothers and sisters, people they had influence on, to tell them what had happened. Together they prayed to God, quoting from the scripture, and recognizing God's will at work in the things they had seen and experienced. And as they closed their prayer... They asked for the courage to share the gospel without fear. God, help me to share your word. Help me to share Jesus without fear. And that signs would follow. That signs would follow. In Acts chapter 4, verses 29 and 30, they prayed, Oh, now, Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word stretch out your hand with healing power may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant jesus and then in verse 31 the bible says after this say after this after this prayer the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the holy spirit then say then. then I want you to know there's a there's a, a line of events there are things that happen in, in order for a certain reason after this prayer the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit then they preached the word of God with boldness if you're having issues with boldness if you're having issues with fear if you're having issues with anxiety you need to be with Jesus you need to be in his presence you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and he will give you the boldness that you need to say his name Thank you. to share your story listen I firmly believe that we are living in the last days anybody believe that we're living in the last days we're living in the last days before Christ returns. Jesus, I know some of you have heard it all your life. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. I'm going to tell you for the millionth time, Jesus is coming because he is. And therefore, we should be praying for God to provide opportunities for us to tell others about Jesus. Divine appointments. I've said this on a Wednesday night, uh, just kind of when we come for recharge. Listen, I, I dare you. Uh-oh. I double dare you to ask Jesus to open a divine appointment for you. I dare you to say, Jesus, this week, one person, one person, 
And you might be saying, oh, Pastor, I've never done that before. I've never shared my story. Uh, I've never talked about Jesus openly. I come to church and I, and I receive and I love the worship and I, I love what happens. I love how I feel when I go to church. Listen, this is wonderful and this is good. But listen, this is very limiting. This is not exactly, this is not the whole of what God wants you to do. You have a story for a reason. My challenge is that you'll pray, Lord, one person. One person, at least one person that I'm able to share my story with. That I'm able to share Jesus. And I believe he'll do it every time. The, the problem is, don't be offended. We're cowards. We're afraid. Because if we ask Jesus, he might do it. He will do it. He will do it. Stand your feet. Listen, we, we need to be alert. We need to be watching for those opportunities to, to present themselves. And, and in that moment, uh, boldly step through the door of opportunity, knowing that the Holy Spirit will give us the words that we need when we need them. In 1 Peter chapter 3, 15 and 16, the Apostle Peter wrote, And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Say always. always. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Thousands were saved because Peter and John were committed to sharing the gospel. I would dare say if we were as committed, we would see many more come to know Jesus. We would see our friends come to know Jesus. Our family members come to know Jesus. Our co-workers come to know Jesus. Pastor, I'm not a preacher. I haven't gone to Bible college. I don't know a ton of scripture. I'm telling you right now that if you spend time with Jesus, he'll use what you have. He'll use your story. You got a story of brokenness that Jesus redeemed? That's enough. God can use you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord for the commitment that you call us to. Thank you, Lord, for not letting us off the hook today. I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit is here to comfort. He's here to counsel. He's here to convict. Lord, thank you for the conviction of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that when we feel uncomfortable about the things that you have called us to that we are not doing, it is a good thing. It is a good thing, Lord, to recognize that, Lord, you desire better for us. You desire more for us. And that while we are praying, God, save my, my mother, save my father, save my uncle, save my co-worker, save my children. God, it is your desire to use us in that process. Even if it's just praying, consistent prayer. Consistent prayer and allowing the boldness of God to come into your life so that you can speak his word. So God, help us. Help us to live committed lives to sharing the gospel. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. amen. Let's close in worship.